The Nation Station. 90.4 FM. And we're back. You're listening to Ain't Nobody Listening on 90.4 Oman FM. With me is Abdul Aziz El Hinai. Let me read that really quick because it's a mashallah long one. Advisor and expert for Oman Public Authority for Economic and Free Zones. Thank you for joining me in the studio. We're going to get a little bit personal. Sure. But uh, just capitalizing on what we said earlier. (laughs) What does living in these different, very unique cultures, the UK, Australia, very different cultures, for 40 years, what does that do to you? How does that change you? Being Omani, of course. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm, I'm, I'm definitely being Omani is in my blood. Mm. Um, there's no question about that because um, it was very easy to to uh, integrate myself into the family, uh, my friends here that I've created, right. uh, the people, the way of life. So it wasn't that hard, and I think the advantage has been because of uh, the lifestyle that I led. Um, I'm an inquisitive person by nature. Right. Um, if there's something that I don't know, I I'm, I go after it. I need to know, okay. um, and so that whole inquisitiveness helped me when when I get to know people. And, and you know, uh, in England, we had people from different cultures: mm. uh, the Indians, uh, the Spaniards, the Germans, uh, and you know, we're all a mix. So uh, I integrated myself into them, and I learned so much. You really learn. Did you starting? You started off in the UK. I started school in 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 the UK. Yeah, that's right. Did you feel like you belonged? Look, you're you're going back to the early uh, late seventies, early eighties. So, um, and that shows my age. But um, I was a young kid. Uh, mm. There was a lot of racism at that time. Uh, father was a diplomat, uh, so we were very protected in in one way or another. Mm. Um, restricted from going out too often or at different times. Um, and yeah, we, we, we faced racism uh, as any other, uh, you know, brown colored individual. Right. We had, we had uh, very funny names given to us. Uh, and it was exciting. Um, exciting. It was exciting. Interesting um, choice of words. <laughs> well, the reason why I say this, uh, my, whole, my whole character itself is mm. an inquisitive character. So when someone calls me names, I'm intrigued. So he's given me a name. Right. He's called me a name, whether it's bad or good, um, and he obviously sees me in a certain way. So I was always inquisitive to why they would do that. But of course, look, I was naive. There was there was a lot of a hatred behind that um, racism, um, but it was important that I I recognized that, and I did. Uh, but I didn't allow it to to beat me up. I didn't allow it to push me away. Hmm. Um, you know, my brother's probably going to end up listening to this, but um, we we had a situation where uh, I was stabbed. Believe it or not, no way. Uh, yeah, and and you know, where where um, were you stabbed? Uh, well, I've got a, a scar across my neck. That's so crazy. Uh, someone uh, and and I was twelve years old at that time. Oof. And uh, you know, had my brother not been there at that time, who who stepped in? Um, uh, yeah, who knows? But. You don't take things like that um, and, and you say, okay, well, you say, uh, this is going to happen again and, or, you know, maybe, maybe there's something wrong with me or, 
or you know you start becoming more afraid of going out no it didn't at all it, not it even just, at that age or 12 like i said i have a i have a i box things um i see boxes around me when whenever i i put something in my mind mm. and i don't want to think about it right now so i box it once i box it, it it's away from me it's away from my thinking my anxiety there's no anxiety there if there's anxiety anxiety probably because there's a, a job i need to do and someone's delaying me and, and taking up my time and that's where my anxiety comes in yeah. but it wouldn't be because someone did that look it's Like I said, it, maybe my way of thinking is completely different. Maybe the way I'm wired <laughs> might be different. Possibly. And we all have different wirings, right? Yeah. Hmm. Well, take me back to the <laughs> UK. Yeah, you know, let's let's just we're not we're in a rush. Yeah. This is a very slow-paced show. Okay. Yeah, the listener is listening. You know, if you're driving right now and you're listening to this and you feel like you already got to your destination because this conversation is going to go for a while. Just tune in using our app, or we're probably going to upload it on our podcast. Ain't nobody listening. For Galsi, Galsi, <laughs> how was school like in the UK? School, okay. Um, so school initially started at uh, Westminster, mm. um, and uh, that was a challenge. They're, they're very strict, very conservative, um, and uh, that was the first uh, uh, shock to the system. Um, because now you've been introduced to discipline. Uh, there are certain ways you have to dress, you had a uniform, mm. something that I was not used to. Uh, you know, when you go from primary school uh, and then you enter secondary school, you know, there are a set of rules that you have to follow. Uh, you know, you needed to study at the end of the day. Um, uh, the stuff that I was learning uh, was, uh, though it was exciting, because I, I, I absorb a lot, mm-hmm. um, It also had its own challenges, you know. I was sports driven more than more than school interested driven. in 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 being schooled. Right. I was more interested in 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 um, imagining uh, things rather than focusing on what the teacher was saying. But then again, I also had an, uh, an uh, you know uh, other interests, which which was uh, very supportive of of the the school because I love reading. Okay. So you gave me something to read. I have no idea why, but I'll sit there and read it. Okay, that's a good, uh, good. It thing is. To have. It is. It is. It's like your brain needs to continue to read. Is it? You know, the joke in 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 uh, at work here um, is uh, as soon as you know someone says uh, we need you to read this <clears throat> these policies or or, or you know uh, do a comparative, so you have to read quite a few things. Right. I will sit there and read it for a few days. Oh. And the joke is, is that look, if anyone's going to read it, it'll be Abdulaziz. <laughs> and if anyone wants to know anything, just go to him. <laughs> right. Um, I just love absorbing. So at school, it's not that I was a, a an A student of any form, mm. but I think what it was is, is that I, I t- if if I'm going to listen, then I have interest. Mm. Otherwise, um, you know, uh, I had uh, what do they call uh, attention deficit. Uh, high, at, uh, yeah, ADHD. So right. high. Uh, uh, sorry, attention deficit. Something disorder. Have attention disorder. <laughs> right. um, yeah. So that was very evident because my focus would be very, very. If it's if I'm not interested, so mm. they called it ADHD. Whereas, I, uh, I told them that it was more because I wasn't interested in what I was hearing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, at so early early in my life. Yeah, how was, many siblings were you? So. Uh, 
I have a sister who's uh, mentally challenged. She passed away two years ago. So, um, Shukran. I don't know what to say. See, my, my Arabic is still bad there. Um, That's fine. And then it's me. Uh, I'm, I'm the eldest now. Um, I also have uh, two younger brothers and a sister. Hmm. So we were a total of five. We were a total of four now. And you all went to the same school together? We we all went to the same school uh, very early um, when we were in London. But uh, in late 88, uh, Dad uh, was uh, relocated back to Oman. Hmm. So he came back. Uh, and uh, I continued. I continued to stay there. I went through college and then university and, and did a... Uh, took a year gap uh, and and traveled around Europe. And you said between the UK and Australia, there were three years where you spent in Oman. Yes. So What was in, that about? In 1991, having completed um, my studies, I went, you know, I didn't really want to come back to Oman, honestly. I wanted to explore anyway about Oman. Um, Any particular early, reason? At yeah, the, at the time? there was <clears throat> there was quite a few reasons actually. Um, there was one that really is hurtful, so I'm not sure whether I should um, broadcast it. But um, you know, as a young kid, um, you know, Top Gun had just come out. Okay. All right. So we're going back. Yeah. Um, so did you watch the recent one? Yes, I did. I it haven't was, yet. Oh, I, good. Look, it's amazing. Um, <laughs> okay. And and funnily enough, my 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 wife said to me, "Oh my God, you and this guy." And I said, "No, no, no, no. Don't compare me to this guy. I'm not this <laughs> guy." She, she goes, she "No, but it's your you? it's your discipline and your your you know when you when hold when up, you, hold up, hold up. She's comparing you to Tom Cruise. She's comparing me to the Maverick, <laughs> <laughs> not Tom Cruise. Definitely, and yeah. not anywhere close to Tom. Cruise. Maybe 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 I would have challenged him a lot earlier in my child, you know uh, teenage, or, uh, or you know earlier in life. But um, no, it, it's 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 the go get. I I don't mm. give up. I I have never given up. I love challenges and uh, determination, commitment, and uh, more importantly the uh, discipline. I, I remember a conversation we had about over a year ago that would touch on this the, okay. the progression of your career we're gonna come to that okay the hustles mm. <laughs> we're gonna come to that but at the uh, but right now you came to Amman you're not very keen it's 1991 at this point that's correct um so, so I started looking for that? jobs okay and um uh I must admit that I, I already had a job But I didn't want to, uh, you know, I graduated from Oxford Brooks uh, having geology mm. um, and I was sponsored by PDO. So somewhere in between there, I'd come to Amman and someone told me, hey, listen, um, uh, there are scholarships. And I said, excuse me, scholarships. Okay, so that's an easy way to get out of dad's house. Right. Excellent. To me, that's freedom. <laughs> uh, so what would it take? And they said, okay, well, you just need to have your results. Now, there's a bit of a story behind that because um, in the last few years of secondary, I really had no interest in studying. And that was probably because of the pressures from home and whatnot. Mm. So I would walk into an exam and write my name and walk out. Oof. And that was that was really what I, what I was... Um, uh, I, I, I wanted to... I wanted someone to uh, to wake up and say, "Listen, what's wrong?" But no one did. <laughs> so, anyway, so at, I came at that to point, you're how old? Uh, early twenties, seventeen. Oh, no, 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 no. Still, I'm, still. I'm talking about okay. secondary, so seventeen. Okay. So I just come back to uh, just uh, finishing my O levels. Okay. At that time, or GCSEs as a column now. All right. Um, yeah. And so I heard about the scholarship. So that was like, okay, freedom. Yeah. What does it take? And they said, okay, you need to do a set of exams. You need to go and get your IELTS. And yeah, you know, you 
need to be able to speak well. Mm. I went, hang on a second, I can do all that. And yeah. they said, okay, so where's your certificates? I went, uh-oh. Okay, we have a problem here. So, um, what was the problem? Well, the problem was is that I got Fs, <laughs> and, um, and and that's a proper fail. That's a there's no mark there. There was really an that F. That is a problem. Uh, it's a zero, yeah. um, and that was to shake up the family. Um, that mm. was a bit crazy that way. So I can relate to that. I did that in my first year of college. Oh, yeah? Just to demonstrate the point that I do not want to yes, do Yes, you this. stood your ground, right? Yeah, I'm not very proud of it. Yeah. But, but at the same time, uh, you know, they kept telling me, come on, just give it a go, just give it yeah. a go. And I'm like, here is my fail. I yeah. do not want to do this. Yeah. I do not recommend this to any of the kids. No. <laughs> Don't do that. Don't waste your parents' uh, time and money, please. Yeah. Well, uh, I, I looked at it more. I wasn't being given the freedom. It wasn't hmm. about... Yeah, it was just, I wasn't having my way. And at that age, you know, today I'm a father and I, I see the, and there's so many regrets, mm. all the things that I put my father and mother through. But, um, so I, I, I spoke to my father. He was absolutely upset because, you know, he got the results. He is the one who pays the right. bills. Right. Um, and I said, please, can you please speak to the, the school and uh, or, or the uh, at school King Fed Academy actually at that time by the way I moved from Westminster to the King Fed Academy to finish my secondary and um, would you please speak to them hmm. and uh, you know being in the embassy could you do something so I could reset the exams now Alhamdulillah yes there is so uh, just before September about uh, late July early August there's resets so uh, they give you a chance to reset the exams um, so if you failed. So I pleaded and pleaded and pleaded. I had to write a letter. I had to be interviewed again. Yeah. And uh, successful uh, to get through the interview and the exams. And, and, and remember, I, I've, I've, I flew back quickly. Mm. So I'm here for the summer till September. So I flew in uh, late July, uh, did the exams without having studied. And uh, I passed sure. enough to get the scholarship. Meanwhile, just keep this in mind. I'd done the exams. I'd done the interviews and I've done everything. It was subject to my documents, my certificates. All right, yeah. Alhamdulillah, I managed to get in. You got a scholarship. I got a scholarship. And you have no idea the 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 freedom, the the the, the happiness, the excitement. Um, but that comes with its own uh, problems. But then you were in Oman for three years. No, no, hang on a second. I'm, I'm talking about this is this is pre. So this is uh, when I was uh, a secondary student, not okay. when I graduated. When I graduated, that's a completely different ballgame. So ah. I'd come, got a scholarship, went back, uh, did my degree. What did and you, then do, what did you get your scholarship to? When? Where, where did you go? From Amman, from the petroleum development of Amman. But, but where did you go? Where was... London. <laughs> back to London. Back to, <laughs> back to London. Uh, actually, it was Chichester <laughs> College of Technology. I and thought when you said freedom, that means it's a whole different no, country. No, 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 no. <laughs> um, so we had... we. Uh, I'm proud to say, and, and really I am proud, mm. We ha I, I was uh, on the same journey with two other individuals. Uh, who I still keep in touch, maybe one more than the other, Muthar mm. al-Kharousi, uh, who ultimately uh, went, uh, became the country manager for Iraq Shell, um, mm. and since then has come back and joined OQ8 at a very senior leadership role, uh, and Mohammed al-Saeed, 
who uh, runs the IBD exceptionally, exceptionally well. And I've seen their growth from from college days and to see who they were and what they have become. Uh, what an amazing experience, That's really. Fantastic. So, yeah. And so after the university, yeah. uh, I came back. Um, they continued on to their to their to their to do their masters, uh, sponsored by PDO. Whereas I came back and I went, you know what? This is enough. I need to work. Um, so your intention was to settle in Oman? No, it wasn't huh. to settle. I was. I I, I came uh, from <laughs> London for <laughs> reasons. Um, that you can't get into. Well, you know, uh, maybe, maybe, um, uh, yeah. Well, yeah, yes and no. You don't um, have to. It's no, okay. I, I prefer not to because mm. it's it's it was it was a love affair. <laughs> I assumed um, broken heart. Um, <laughs> I, honestly, I assumed. Yeah, yeah, but you know, like I said, uh, <laughs> the person that I was is different to the person. You're a lot older, a lot uh-huh. wiser. Um, but I did come back, mm. and it was tough, um, and. Uh, so I uh, I was told that you know yeah you need to report to PDO, um, you need to start work there, mm. and you know you're going to be going to um, Marmoul and Fahoud and Marwish. when you know um, this is not for me, this is really not for me, and so I paid my dues whatever I needed to do, and um, Alhamdulillah. Your dues I, were what the three years? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, uh, no, I. Didn't work even a day with them, but, but mm. they were kind enough to uh, set me free, as they would say. Mm. Um, and, you know, it's, it's conditional. There's conditions there, like sure. any other thing. Um, so I found myself... Um, uh, I applied to a job with HSBC... No, the BBME, so the British Bank of the Middle East at that time. Never heard of it. Um, in Rui. <laughs> Um, and uh, it was it was one of the oldest banks here at that time, I believe. Mm. And I uh, lasted about six months there. Mm. And uh, I went, oh, what have I done? Um, salary being two hundred and sixty reals at that time. What what was that considered at the time? Well, I think we might get we might need to get you another chair. Two, you two, seem to two, be <laughs> yeah, uh, two hundred and sixty reals uh, or three hundred reals or so. Just closer to your mic, please. Yeah. Um, you know, it's uh, it's it's not in those days. Maybe it was reasonable. Um, I think by this, uh, I knew that I couldn't stay there because on one mm. side I was going look at two hundred sixty uh, reals. Yeah. Come on, I, I used to make more money part time. Mm. <laughs> you know, working on weekends uh, every day, and there they pay you per hour. Um, so yeah, I had an issue. And it seems like your time in Oman is just figuring out what is the next step for. What am I into? Yeah, that's well, what it sounds like. Yeah, you, you tried this. It's like nah. You go yeah. into banking. You're like, Mm-mm. I think I was driven. Driven. You excite me. I'm. I. You know. I'm driving your way, if that makes sense. So, uh, you know, everyone was talking about banks being the next thing. Right. And I thought, okay, that's where I want to be. Um, the other issue that I had was the language. So mm-hmm. um, I struggled. My Arabic was next to nothing, having lived outside. Uh, we spoke English at home mm-hmm. um, because uh, you know. Uh, Same here. Yeah. Being being mm. within within a family. Yeah, my mother spoke in Arabic, mm. um, but you know it's funny. Huh? I could understand her. I don't know what it is about that, but I could never understand <laughs> my father speaking in Arabic. Mm. Um, so the journey uh, to Oman was 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 uh, a challenging one mm. because you were accustoming yourself to a new culture, yeah. new ways. 
there's no vibrancy. Um, everything is boring. Um, I can't go out. Meaning if I go out, you know, I came at, uh, I think it was in June, so it was hot. Um, uh, Worst time of the year to be visiting. Uh, Amani's. Yeah. Uh, I, I realized it was hot later. Uh, people are saying, why are you gone dark? Because I was at the beach. Man, you've got the best beaches here. <laughs> um, so, you know, still a foreigner, but yeah. sooner I realized that it was, um, it, it, it was just not for me. But I continued. I thought, you know, I'll give it a chance. Um, I started growing in the bank. Um, I started as uh, uh, just a clerk. Mm. Um, I think uh, leaving BBME because I just the salary was just too small, mm-hmm. and I thought no, there's more to this. I can't, I can't do this. So I moved to Oman International Bank. It was a new position. My salary is 400 reals. The fact that my language was so strong is what excited them, right. and they started me in the, in in what they call a CSD department. It's a computer section department. Mm. Uh, it's after hours, so you're you're working all these different shifts. You're ensuring that all the ATMs are running well. If there isn't, you report it. You do you download all the transactions of the day for the and the reports and whatnot. That sounds at night. fun. Yeah. It was it was after hours. Yeah, <laughs> while that, everyone's asleep, I'm working. So was uh, that a good thing or a bad thing for you at the time? It was good because I can do a lot during the day. Yeah, which meant that I also slept very little. Right. So it was good for a while, <laughs> but then soon I realized that uh, it again um, wasn't for me. So I requested a change, and then I moved to the uh, compute uh, the marketing department. Now that was interesting because mm. now now you really are working with a diverse range of people. Mm. And in those days, you know, Amanis were not considered to be, um, or they were not given the opportunities. Uh, there was, let's get the foreigners, let's, and, and I, I consider that more transfer of knowledge. So there was a period where we had a lot of foreigners, uh, especially in, in the banks, um, and they were educating us, they were helping us, and that's how I need to look at it, and I do look at it. Mm. Um, Whereas now, maybe I look at it a lot differently. Uh, I think Oman is a lot more, uh, they're a lot more smarter, they're more educated, their decision-making is a lot more sound. Than I mean, before. all those years of giving out scholarships, I think we're finally starting to see... see reap the rewards? Yeah. yeah, I think we've been seeing it for quite some time now, yeah. which is good. So uh, the government's strategy in doing that and supporting and funding that project mm. um, is it was a success, no doubt. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so uh, after working here for three years, and funnily enough, um, what really, really upset me in in leaving Oman is that I asked for sponsorship. Now, and and this is a year before I left. Um, I was excited about a sport that I saw. So I was walking um, at the Shati Al Qalm. In those days, there was nothing. So where where you see. Um, uh, what's it called? The 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 cafe. More Shata. There is a lot of uh, places, but before it was just a, a landing, and then you go straight into I the remember. beach. I um, remember. Uh, my father used to take me there. He used okay. to play football there with a bunch. Okay, of people. so uh, uh, in 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 1994, mm. uh, jet skis was the big thing there, and we had Amar mm. Makbul, uh, we had Hani Zabir. We had Tobias um, and and a few other guys. And so my love for jet ski started. And so I I purchased a used jet ski and I went, you know, because they were competing on a national level. So initially I went, okay, I I went to them. I said, can I? And they said, no, this is a race. 
Wait, hang on, a race. Okay, so I need, where can I rent one? And they can't rent one. Okay, where can I buy one? Okay, well, you can buy it here. Mm. But, you know, it was expensive. It was like 2,500 reals. Now, for someone who's earning 400 reals a month, uh, by the time you've paid off your car, my Jeep Wrangler was the first car, um, and, and paid off all these other things, yeah. it doesn't leave you with much. So um, I saved a little bit of money, um, and use some of the savings that I initially had, which I generally tend to do anyway. Mm. Uh, and I thought, you know what, I'm gonna buy this jet ski. So I bought a secondhand one. Uh, I went to someone to increase mm. the speed. Mm. Um, and because all the other people who were racing had more advanced jet skis. So again, my interest steps in, mm-hmm. uh, my inquisitiveness. So what would it take to beat them? It's either the engine, or the dynamics uh, of of the uh, the shape of the jet ski. Mm. So I learned a, f- a few things, and I understood some engineering uh, uh, ways to to look at a problem and how you resolve it. For all your kids listening, by the way, there was no YouTube back in the day, huh? There was no YouTube, <laughs> and Google Google didn't exist. You had to buy a book to understand. Yeah, I and mean, when you're when you're talking about something like this today, it sounds as simple as Google it, find the answers. Exactly. But back in the day, how do you go about that? Exactly. Um, so it was uh, people. So I, I kept going uh, to the beach. Mm. But the love for the beach uh, was not to swim in the water. Uh, it was to watch. And for months, I'd watch. I'd go and ask questions. Uh, I learned a few things. Uh, some of the guys who were good at doing certain things, you know, you learned a few things from them. And, and the mix of that knowledge um, gave me a, a, a huge advantage. Mm. So... Uh, bought my jet ski, practiced a lot, and at the next race I enrolled. And uh, funnily enough, um, I came number one in Ooh. in in um, in the eighty horsepower. Um, wow. Hannes Bear, uh, if he ever listens to this, uh, he was he was really the top guy. Um, and then we had Amar Makbul also. Um, so you're competing with amazing, amazing guys who today are recognized individuals. Um, and we we were all, you know, similar interests at that you, time. You had a weaker engine, though. So I had a weaker engine. Um, the drive for me was... Uh, uh, sorry, a weaker engine meaning compared to them, but yeah, there were categories. No. The advantage was yeah. I was in a category of the 80 horsepower, I see. which um, meant that my my jet was not up to date as theirs was but it it it, it wasn't it short yeah. it wasn't short of of the same power so it really came down to skill and uh, naturally i have no fear mm. um and i'm an adrenaline junkie so uh, okay. and there's a, a whole story uh behind that so skydiving is a big thing for me it sounds risky um, yeah <laughs> So having um, no fear, I mean. No, well, when I say it, it was, look, everyone has some fear. Yeah. But um, you know, you're you're an individual that's uh, that loves adrenaline-related mm. sport. Yeah. So uh, to me, it was yeah. So it was a lot of fun. So my strength came in the slalom rather than the straight, because in the straight uh, I would be overtaken and beat. Your strength came from the what? From the slalom. So the race, the race incorporates about three different modules, and the one, the first one is the the straight. Mm. So you're racing on a straight line, um, and here also there's a lot of techniques because you know where you land on which wave and how mm. do you avoid and certain things. Um, and you know it's been a while since I did that. Um, then you've got the slalom, 
What does that mean? The slalom means you go around the racetrack and how quickly you go around the racetrack. Okay. Um, and then the third one was uh, well, endurance. So where you go all the way. If you've ever seen that island uh, from PDO, there's an island right in the middle. Oh, yeah. of the, I don't know whether it's called Shark Island or, or what it is. But um, the whole idea was to... Uh, it's endurance, so how much you can withstand. You're at high speeds, you're hitting waves, your arms are about to give up, uh, your, the impact of the waves on your body, it shatters it. Um, so you need, physically, you need to, and physically and, and mentally, you need to be prepared for Was these endurance things. tested um, on distance or time? There was a combination of both. Mm. Um, so, and the techniques. So you really had to understand um, when you land on the waves, how you land on them, mm. uh, the trim on your jet ski, uh, the sponsons that support the balance between the two, uh, and the scoop grate, which is under, that had to be modified so that it allows the water to flow. Um, I can't believe I actually still remember all this. It's like it's all coming back. <laughs> Do you not uh, jet ski now? No, I, 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 I nearly killed myself, actually. I was in Lebanon. I got onto a jet ski and, um, and uh, went out and uh, hit a wave uh, very hard, hit my chest, and uh, thankfully I didn't uh, faint or, or lost uh, my consciousness, hmm. um, but I was in pain. Uh, I then cramped up, and uh, the jet ski continued to flow, and I w didn't have a life jacket on. Yeah. So all the mistakes you could ever make that could end your life, um, I made sure I Tick them basically, um, but I think someone someone far away yeah. noticed that there was an empty jet ski because uh, <laughs> I'm on the other side, oh, uh, so no one can see someone on the jet ski, and I'm trying to swim to it, and and I'm cramped up, so it, it was battling quite a few things, um, but thankfully. Uh, I managed to get to the jet ski. I managed to get onto it. By the time I got on the jet ski, we had the we had the team coming to look for me. So, and that was the end of it. That was the end of your jet no, ski it, career. No, it's not the end of the jet ski career. <laughs> uh, well, no, it wasn't the end of it. I mean, I still love jet skis, but I think as you get older, your focus uh, turns elsewhere. Mm. I have more interest now in in paramotoring. I have more interest now in skydiving, um, trekking. Um, so, you know, uh, each age, um, I call them the four stages of my life. I have four stages. Okay. And, and this started very young, but um, I'm, I'm, I'm entering my fourth stage. So in three years' time, I'll be entering my fourth stage of my journey. Um, what are the stages? Well, <laughs> the stages. The stages is what you experience between um, the time you're born till you're about 10. Okay, what's stage um, one? What's stage one? Yeah. Well, stage one, I, I, I came up with all this later in life. So okay. I'm talking about in the last uh, 10, 15 years, I've actually come up with this theory. Okay. Could you break it down for me? Yeah, yeah sure, sure. Yeah. So my first stage was uh, from zero to 10. Now, why why 10? Because when I looked back, most of my, the impact, uh, my true understanding of who I really was, the maturity of my mind really started at 10. Um, there's always going to be some immaturity at that age, you know, but, but really the, the maturing of the mind came at that age. Um, my discipline really built at that age. Mm. So if I said I'm doing something, I'm doing it. If I said I didn't like something, I wasn't doing it. Right. And, and obviously that caused a lot of problems between my father and mother, but mm. it is what it was. Um, the second phase was uh, once I had got this maturity now, 
how I used it. So I was a rebel. So between, between 10 and 16. But really, but the second phase was 10 to 20. Because in that period, uh, it, it made me the person who I am. Um, and, or maybe, 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 maybe a lot longer than that. But at the age of 20, that's when I realized that I wasn't, maybe everyone thinks this way, I don't know, but I, I thought maybe I'm not normal. I didn't have any special powers. I didn't, I wasn't a genius. Mm. I, 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 you know, I, I wasn't wealthy. My father wasn't a billionaire or a millionaire, but mm. I thought there was something unique about the way I thought. And, um, it wasn't, it was, it was quite easy for me to adapt to anything. So to me, that's the second phase of my life. And it really built the person that I am. Um, the third phase really started at 24, but, um, and, and the period between coming back from, from London and, and staying here for three years. And I think this is the longest uh, stage so far. Yeah, it, it is because at 10, you're still young. Mm. You're still restricted, uh, but you know your mind is malleable. There's some maturity, but it it, it wasn't. It really. Uh, I don't know how to stress this, but it wasn't really in my behavior because the behavior was still a ten year old child. Mm. Um, but it was more how I how I can't explain. I box things. Mm -hmm. You know, I can I can I can block things too. Box things as in put things into separate categories where one doesn't really affect the other. Yeah, you can you can upset me, and then I'll get upset, and then I'll say, okay, hang on a second, this needs to stop. So I I put it in that box, lock. and I'll lock it, and I'll <laughs> visit it some other time. That's um, very useful. It is, and it isn't. I, I have boxes, but they all leak. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Wow. They're very leaky boxes. I try to put them aside, and then one, one box leaks into the other. I'm like, why are you here? I'm trying yeah. to deal with this thing. I don't have that superpower. Uh, I I I. I think we all have those leaks. Yeah. Uh, it's how you manage them. I don't think I, I, I can't say that I did not have any leaks. Mm. Definitely. Look, I was a 10 year old kid. Um, but the second phase really, uh, really strengthened me even more mentally, emotionally, physically. Um, uh, I was just getting into religion, meaning starting to understand uh, mm. the true essence, uh, essence of, yeah. of who I am, my culture and my religion. Mm. Um, and that rebelled me because I questioned. Mm. Uh, no one could give me a straight answer when I asked the question. And today, I, I, and we'll get back to the religion aspect because today my mindset's completely different. Imanic, ahem, mean someone proving to you why you should believe in the religion. So right. it's completely different. At that age, I was challenging it. Today, no, uh, there's no need to challenge. I was born a Muslim and I'll remain a Muslim and I'll die a Muslim and I'm proud to be a Muslim. Mm. Um, but at 24, um, my mind is fully matured, so that's why I say that's the second phase of... Uh, third my, phase. The, the, no, no, that's the second phase. I'm about to enter the third phase. I see. Um, uh, that journey, uh, so zero to 10 was phase one. From 10 to 24, that period, was going through the phase two, and then moving, so uh, my final count was, uh, we'd just come back from the World Championships in, in um, uh, Dubai, me, Hani Zubair, and Tobias went there. We were competing against the best of the best in the world. World Championship um, in what? A jet skiing. Oh, wow, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was sponsored by the Amman International Bank. Um, we got there, and and Alhamdulillah. Is look, that we a were, thing today? <coughs> I, look, today I don't heard. even see it anymore. Yeah. I don't see any Amani competing or 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 knowing any Amani that's jet skiing at a com competitive level. Yeah. Um, but 
really we lacked a lot of sponsorship. Amman International Bank and and I think there was another bank that supported me and I used to work for the Amman International Bank. Mm. So Mali Yahya Jabri I'm sure may would have remembered that uh, at that time. But the journey didn't stop there. Uh, we went to the World Championships, we came back and then um, really I got up one day and I, I, I really thought about what had just happened. Mm. Um, we did not meet the 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 standards and honestly if it wasn't for Mr. Han, oh, Hani um, uh, supporting us we stayed in his house etc at that time um, you know I don't think we would have been we would have even competed because we couldn't afford to do it right um, so it really upset me and um, and uh, I was seeing the other competitors and the support they were being given mm. and I went we could actually comp- we could have won we could have taken at least uh, position three at right. least position three. we were quite good at what we do skill, our waters we were quite skilled yeah our waters are are uh, are different you know we 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 have uh, we've got the our, our foreign partners coming in it's heat we're used to the heat mm. uh, we love the sea uh, we we we're in it every day Uh, we were training every day, but these guys had a team, you know, we were fixing our own problems and they had a team of three or four. So at that point I went, you know, there's a problem here. Right. Um, I wanted to become more competitive, but there was not going to be any support. And I definitely couldn't afford it. And, and, you know, Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, you know, dad, dad, uh, within reason is a, is a very, very humble man, but you know, we're not wealthy people. Hmm. Uh, we're humble, but not not you know exceptionally. So we can't just go and afford to do these things. Right. You know, we have other commitments that are more important. Hmm. Um, you know, Dad will be there saying, "Look, it's time for you to buy land, not not invest in in, in this dead money." Um, so, well, considering that there isn't a jet ski industry right now in Oman, <laughs> he called it. <laughs> he did. He did. Um, so I honestly, this is the truth. Hmm. I got up one day. Literally, mm. and there's a lot of dramas behind that. But I literally got up one day, and uh, I had a friend, and at that time they um, encouraged me and said, "Look, um, why don't you come to Australia? Experience it. It's amazing. There's a lot of opportunities." So when I woke up one morning, I went, "Okay." I brought a map because you know we don't have the phones, so I got a map out and I went, "Okay, I need to. I need for, for I'm kids listening. That's printed on a piece of paper. That's correct." <laughs> Correct. We don't. We don't. We don't touch paper anymore. I forgot about that. So I looked at this map and I went. You know what? I think I'm heading to the states or the UK. UK. Mm. It's it's new. But I was looking for adventure. So I thought, you know, opportunity is the US. Sure. Uh, 300 some million people. You know, I always hear that America is a dream. And I thought, you know, for me, that's it. That's where I'm heading. And I had friends there, and they encouraged me to come. And mm. who knows what I would have become. So. Uh, anyway, I was discouraged from America and I thought, I'll give it a go. So I got up, I went to my boss and I said, I need a holiday. I didn't resign. I got on a plane. Mm. I went to Australia for two weeks. In that two weeks, there was a lot of things I learned, mm. a lot of exploration. And, and does that mark the beginning of phase three? That's correct. So I came back, mm. I resigned. I sold everything that I have, my jet ski, the Jeep. I paid off my debts. So I left Oman with 2,000 equivalent 
reals. And honestly, if uh, and there's a documentary that was made about my journey. This is where the story becomes a little familiar to me. That's correct. <laughs> and so, uh, well, how about we go out on a quick break? Sure. And then we're going to begin with phase three of your life. This is Online FM. The right thing to say is available for everyone. But what if we looked beyond that? Let's pick topics and brains on Muscat Candid with me, Esma, and Armana FM, 12 p.m. every weekday. It's time to wake up with Jumpstart on Oman FM with Taj Jahri and Amal Belushi. Sunday through Thursday, 7 to 10 a.m. Only on your nation's station. Jumpstart. The nation's station. 90.4 FM. And we're back. You're listening to Ain't Nobody Listening. Abdullah Ma'awli here with me. It's Abdul Aziz Al Hinai. Well, we already spent like uh, what an hour now. Wow. Yeah. And time flies. And we didn't even get to the like the exciting stuff. That's yet. scary. <laughs> <laughs> so last we left off was uh, we just entered phase three of your life. Phase three. You're about 24 years old. Yeah. And you just moved to Australia. Yeah. Or, or about to move to Australia. Yeah. Yeah. And as uh, you, there is a documentary that's been done <laughs> yeah. regarding this. Uh, look, it, it was it was the Sultan Qaboos University. Um, yeah. They had a um, uh, they were doing a research on uh, those Amanis that may have migrated um, hmm. and what happened to them. Yeah, and there are many many stories, um, you know, of, of individuals that that uh, went across the waters and and either became successful or or um, or uh, ultimately ended their life or were in prison or or, or various other things mm. um, and so considering where you are today or you, you things turned out all um, right <laughs> yeah look I'm uh, yeah I'm, I'm definitely uh, happy with the journey and I've been asked this question many times would you repeat this and I'd say yes mm. because um, the amount of experience um, and, and live experience, you know, actually involved in this experience uh, unconditionally has really opened up my mind mm. on, on how I approach things. Yeah. So Australia, what happened? So uh, I arrive in Australia and believe it or not, uh, so I did the two weeks. Mm. <clears throat> the only thing is, is that um, I, I, I arrived in Melbourne, I had to change planes and I got into this propelled uh, propeller, uh, a small plane, you yeah. know, carrying about less than 20 people. One of those really dangerous ones. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I went, hang on a second, what is going on here? We, we headed to uh, Tasmania. That's where I started my life um, in a small country town called Burnie. So I'm talking about uh, if you left Muscat and you went to um, Nakhal, 25 years ago, Nakhal, mm. 25 years ago, not today, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, is really what you're you're heading back in time. Mm. Uh, remember, Australia is not as uh, developed as uh, the UK or, or any other Western uh, developed country. So massive. Yeah, it's huge. I mean, yeah. it's it's bigger than the US uh, and, and, and North and South together. Lowest density in the world, you know? That's correct. Yeah. That's correct. So um, I arrived there. Um, the tractor brings my luggage. Okay. Uh, with a with a you know a trailer behind it, and I went look ah God this is this is worrying me now, but really you know that was when I arrived the first time. Mm. Uh, when I flew back, I knew 
that it didn't matter where I was. It, what mattered was is that I needed a change and I wasn't prepared to continue here in Oman. Mm. So anything was better than Oman at this point, not because of uh, you know issues related to something that's happened here, but more so because I needed a change and I needed to absorb more. I needed to learn more. And I felt I just wasn't getting it here. Right. So the third stage of my life really, really starts to be enacted. That's when I started there. Uh, the only thing is I'm in a country where, um, one, I'm not a citizen of the country. Uh, number two, um, uh, I have a name uh, that uh, starts with Abdul. Uh, and, and the joke is Abdul, you know, the Bulbul Emir. Um, what? Yeah, believe it or not, Abdul the Bulbul Emir. It's, What's that? Uh, it's it was the you know you you get called names in in, in London, but uh, in 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 uh, in Australia they stereotype you, so you're an Arab basically. I feel like they have a lot more creative. Uh, very creative, <laughs> very <laughs> creative. I mean, the the Italians and Greeks are called Wogs. Wogs. Go figure. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and, and it's an acronym, um, and I can't remember now on top of my head, but, um, it's, it's, yeah. So, uh, I was Abdul the Bulbul Emir. So I applied and applied. Now remember, Bernie, uh, is, is a country town. So it's like going to Nakhal and then looking for a job. Mm. Um, a lot more advanced than Nakhal, of course, but, um, nothing with my expertise, you know, no one's interested. But One, you had to make money. You yeah, to. yes, yes. Um, and, 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 you know, I, th- there is a story behind that because the 2,000 reals was never used. Mm. I, 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 you know, when, when I decided to finally come back to Oman is when I, when I uh, actually brought that money back with me. And nice. I, I, already, I always said that I will never touch this money until the day I die. If I died there, then they use that money to send my body back. But that's really <laughs> it. And, and that was the challenge. Determination and discipline. So um, I can I can I can recall many days where I didn't have any food. Mm. I can recall many days where you know um, uh, where I struggled. But like anything, uh, if you're uh, optimistic and uh, you look for opportunities in 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 the places that you don't expect. So I started my first job delivering pizzas two days after I arrived. And if you if you watch the documentary, it tells you that uh, on the first day that I arrived, uh, obviously our friends could not drive, so someone had to drive, mm. and I was given some instructions uh, a few hours after I arrived, you know, that evening, and I went pick up the pizza. So while I was there, I I said to the lady, uh, she asked me, she was very interested where I was, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and she said, "Can you cook?" Funnily enough, I wasn't even looking for a job, mm-hmm. and I didn't even ask. And she said, "I'm looking for someone. Would you like a job?" I said, "Job? Yeah, okay." <laughs> What do I do? Uh, you can cook, right? Yes. Again, for everyone like you would remind them, hmm. there was no Google to to <laughs> to uh, pull up some recipe that you can cook. Um, the 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 only safeguard there was that really what she was saying was, can you make a pizza and the instruction on the wall? Right. Um, and that was easy. Okay. Yeah. I I loved instructions, and as long as instructions are clear. So you know, it 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 started with a few hours a week. So when you say, you know, how did you? Um, uh, how did you eat and uh, where, where, you know what income mm. so that's how it started and then um, I started making a few things and then they said look we'll give you a few hours if you if you can deliver and I said okay well I can drive so uh, do you know the town I said yes <laughs> but 
I had to go and buy a small map of the area mm-hmm. so that, it, you know, when someone says I'd sit there for five minutes looking at where that is and then, okay, in my head uh, and, uh, you know, equipped with a piece of paper, not a pen, sorry, not a piece of paper. It was my hand, but a pen. Okay. And I would mark down left at the first turn, right on the second, etc., roundabout straight through. Yeah. And that was the start. Um, and look, it wasn't the best, but uh, it brought something. And then... Uh, What, where was your where was your head at at the time? Was it exciting because you're at a new place, or was it like, oh, I was working in this, I was in the bank, and now I'm delivering pizza? How were you viewing it? At the uh, yeah. Time? Okay. So, um, it was exciting. Hmm. It was the unknown. So for me, it was never. Um, look, I, I think I'd be foolish to say there was no fear. Mm. Not that I'm afraid of things, but, and not that I was anxiety, uh, I, I, I had anxiety, but I, I, I think there's a little bit of that always with the unknown. So That's good um, though, that's healthy. You it's need very, that, very healthy. Yeah. It's very, very healthy. And, and, and that enabled me to, I suppose, it's continue. It's also, also this chair. Yeah, is also. I, I think you have a problem with your chairs. <laughs> um, so yes, there was, there was uh, some anxiety, some fear, but mm. I think it was the unknown. I was waking up every morning going, wow, what's going to be like today? Yeah. Um, so, having done and and cooking, I got to know a few people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I met uh, a woman um, uh, on that journey, and ultimately ended up marrying her. Mm-hmm. And then we moved to Hobart. Now Hobart was a uh, a city. Obviously, we didn't get married straight away, but we we kind of came mm-hmm. together, and we said, look, why don't we go down to a city where I could get a better job? So we went to Hobart. Hobart is the capital of of Tasmania, um, or the biggest city in Tasmania. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, I looked for opportunities, and again, I failed the same problem. What was it? I just couldn't get a job right. um, that sufficed the uh, my ability and, and right. my expertise, which was none at that time. Just a, a degree um, and but some bank experience. That bank counts experience. for something. That's correct. Yeah. Um, so. Many a times uh, I, I got really upset with that, mm. but, uh, you know, uh, so one day I, I, I met a, a Turkish guy uh, who had been there for a few years and, uh, and you know, he was very kind enough to, to sit with me for a little bit and, and talk. And um, so he explained what I didn't know. He said, listen, my friend, you have a problem. And I said, well, what is my problem? I, I, look, I can speak well. Uh, I've got a good head, so and and I have the the education to back it up. And he said, "Look, one, throw your degree away. No one's going to look at you. That's impossible." He said, "Yeah, well, you're not a resident and you're not a citizen, so mm-hmm. no one's going to look at you." Okay. And second of all, and the most important is your name. No one's gonna as soon as they see Abdul. <laughs> no, it wasn't Abdul, the bulbul. Um, but as soon as they see Abdul, mm. Abdul, so they, my name is Abdulaziz. No, it's Abdul, right? No, it's Abdulaziz. Uh, but as soon as they see Abdul, next. Um, so it had to be Tony, Michael, John, Peter, so whatever. The, so the racism you experienced, was it worse in the UK or is it equivalent? No, so. not at all. No, okay. Australian. Look at... <laughs> I think there's gonna always going to be some racism everywhere. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, maybe not as much as UK, mm. but it was more directed d- directed at the unknown. You're an unknown. Sure. And your name is an unknown. Your your name scares us. At a time when we had 
challenging issues um, with uh, uh, extremists mm. uh, globally. Um, you know, it is an unknown, and they're they're afraid of him. Sure. So uh, he said to me, "Listen, but you know the advantage of of being in Australia is you can change your name. Change my name? I never thought about it that way. Mm. You know." He said, look, I give you my advice. It's not going to cost you anything. Your CV, I've had a look at. You're more than capable, but uh, downgraded, first of all. And two, uh, change your name. I said, but hang on, I can't change my name I officially. And he said, no, it's okay. And the other thing is, uh, you have a girlfriend mm. or a wife from here? I said, no. So it's like a green card movie, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, okay. So, so that whole journey was, a, was an steps. experience. The steps, yeah. <laughs> and so um, so the adventure started there. So that's when, when uh, everything changed. I went back and I went, okay. So now Wait, the challenge what? is the name. Yeah. Okay. What name am I going to give myself? So I, uh, hey, Peter. Hey, John. Uh, Michael. So I kept, you know, looking at the mirror and saying, okay, so am I a Peter? Am I a John? Am I a, what am I? And none of them just fit. It really, really didn't fit. Yeah. So um, I was, I think I was watching a movie. I can't remember the movie, to be honest, but uh, someone said, uh, Tony Montana. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> and I went, hang on a second. Tony Montana. That sounds good. Because... You know, I can, I can, I can have any name yeah. for the first time in my life. I can rename myself, and you chose recreate. Tony. You chose Tony, and so uh, Tony was born. So it was Tony Mohammed Al Hina. I went, hang on a sec. He said, no. I said, your whole name has to change. So the the advantage of Australia is that you can have an alias legally. Uh, legally. Legally, you can have an alias as long as you proclaim it or as long as you let them know that this is your alias. Uh, and the reason why is it started years back um, when the Aboriginals, Aboriginals have a name that can have 35 characters. Wow. Uh, the Asians can have a name that has, that's quite confusing, Pong Tang Pong and, and whatnot. And uh, so it was easier, well. exactly. Yeah. So it was easier for a Pong Tang Tong to be Peter right. and so forth. Um, and, and look, I don't laugh about it because I actually appreciate it yeah. where someone else used to laugh at that whole name. Um, so I thought, you know what? I sat back and I went, okay, Tony Hina is born. Okay. And honestly, my business cards, uh, especially in later years in life, especially when I uh, became the GM um, for uh, one, of the, one of the strongest car rental companies and ultimately the CEO of a company which you're aware of. But um, that whole journey started. And, and so Tony and I was born. You just gave spoilers, by the way. Just give spoilers. What does that mean? You you told the audience where this is going. He's gonna be the CEO at some point. Oh oh um, yeah yeah. So I'm so sorry. It's okay. Um, well, but there's a lot more than the CEO that's important. The CEO was actually the the, the boring aspect of, of what uh, I consider to be my career growth because the career your your career no, growth is never your status. But it, it's not boring when you know how it started. So let's go back. Let's yeah. go back. We're Tony now. Yeah. yeah, so Tony uh, has met someone, uh, committed to her to get married mm. uh, in principle um, to ensure that I can, I can get a job because the advantage there is that as a de facto relationship mm. and a de facto is recognized at three months. You can have a bank account together after three months and you're legally considered to be together. So, um, you know, it's not something that I, I want my family to, to really hear about it, but at, at, at some point... Um, you know, there's no denying of what happened. So I, I, I don't have a problem telling my story. 
Um, so Tony Hinai was born, and um, and the day I I renamed myself in my CV, mm. and I went, okay, well I can't get any other job. I've tried banking, and I can't get jobs in banking. Uh, it's a small town, so you know a lot of the guys there have been there for ten years, fifteen years. Right. Uh, it's an older generation, uh, though it's a city still has you know limited industries. Yeah. So applied to various jobs, but ultimately there was a job at Hertz mm. as a rental clerk. And I went, okay. And they said, you had to do exams. And I said, rental clerk, car rental company, you need to have exams for that? Okay. So anyway, I went to the recruitment company, registered my details, and they said, do you have, so I had to go through the, you know, the fact that I'm with someone, a de facto, and then they gave you the ability as a, uh, not citizen, but a resident, mm. uh, to uh, the ability to get a job. So I did. You're restricted by how much, how many hours you get, uh, and that was okay because at this point I was getting thirty hours a week, whereas in Tasmania it was uh, in Bernie it was five hours a week. Mm. Uh, so having got that, getting the job, um, successfully passed, uh, had to go through a place where they they teach you how to wear your uniform, how to answer phones, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Flew through that, and started my journey as a rental sales representative so when you want to rent a car you come to me and i right. rent you a car and go through the whole process so that's where it started that's where okay i managed to get a good income so i was now earning uh, not 60 dollars a week but uh, about 450 dollars a week my life suddenly changed i bought a 1969 beetle bug for about 400 australian dollars wow. uh, that just about made it up to the top of the mountain um traveling at 60 kilometers an hour yeah um and so that's where it started, and and you know, um, when I look back at, at what happened after that, I think it, I just started growing. Um, my second car was a 1978 uh, Sigma, uh, which is a Mitsubishi Gallant. Wow. Uh, it's a Chrysler Sigma, but it, it, it's really a Mitsubishi Gallant. Uh, and then that was the indicator of my growth. So my the cars that I drove, <laughs> uh, third was a 1984 Toyota Camry Import. It's getting newer uh, and newer. Yeah, <laughs> by 2002. Um, but look, let's go back. So yeah. really, now I've I've started to work in a in a car rental place. I stayed there for another six months, and then I got the itch again. Mm. I went, look, this is just not good enough anymore. You're not growing. I'm not growing. Mm. I'm, I'm stuck at, um, okay, I managed to get to $500 a week, which is great. I now have a house. I've got a nice car. Nice car meaning a 30-year-old car that just made it, but it was a nice car to me. It's mm -hmm. uh, better than walking or, or taking the bus. Um, so I decided to move. And uh, so I turned around to my uh, partner at that time and I said, look, why don't we move to the mainland? Let's go to Melbourne, Sydney, or Queensland. Mm. And so we... Uh, saved up a bit of money. Ultimately, we got on the road. So we went across the Bass Strait. Bass Strait is a, is a sea uh, that uh, in between uh, Tasmania and Melbourne takes about 12 hours to get on a boat and, uh, and, and go, you know, one of these P&O vessels. Mm. And uh, so 12 hours, four o'clock in the morning, we arrived in Melbourne. And uh, we were supposed to stay for three or four days. That was the idea. Mm. And then if we don't like it, we move to the next state. If we don't like it, we move to the next state. It's like three big cities, right? Exactly. Then, yeah. But I, I got out of Melbourne within three hours of being there. Now ask me why. Mm. Well, as silly as this may be, we um, I was at a traffic lights and uh, someone scolded me. I need to turn right at the traffic lights. But in Australia, you don't turn right from being on the right lane. Huh. You turn right from being on the left lane. So on the left lane, 
you stopped. Yeah. Yeah. All the cars keep going straight because they want to go straight. Then that goes red. And then yours becomes green where you can turn right. Completely bizarre. Okay. And I went, no, this doesn't work for me. So 7 a.m. in the morning now, we've arrived. We've been there for three hours. We, we managed to get a few coffees. And I said, this is not happening. Just I'm not staying here. <laughs> that one incident. That one incident. So we, we, we drove. We camped, obviously, along the way and stayed for a day and a half here mm. and a day and a half there. But we were looking for cities to stay. So the in-betweens were really a, a journey of fun and adventure. Mm. And there were many, trust me. Um, but we, we got to Sydney. Uh, no, sorry, we got to Canberra next, before Sydney. And Canberra is the capital of Australia. And uh, I lasted a day there. And Canberra was an option. And, uh, and why? Because we camped, we had tents, mm. and it drenched our tent. So I got up in the morning, there's water in my tent, the beds are wet. I've only, I'd only slept for three hours because there was a storm. There was a hailstorm after that. Oh, wow. And I went, this is not happening. So we packed up. And then again, now remember, this this whole journey is supposed to be two, three days, four days in each state. Yeah. The in-betweens, we could stay a day here, two days there, it doesn't matter. Uh, so, Canberra, yep, no. got an X. Next stage, Sydney. So we arrive in Sydney a day later. Uh, it's about a 700-kilometer uh, drive. We arrive in Sydney uh, at 5 o'clock. Now, 5 p.m. in Sydney, it's at its peak, the mm. traffic. So to travel two kilometers took me about a few hours. Wow. And so what do you think happened after that? Uh, nope. <laughs> um, it was after a, you know, a, a 700 kilometer drive. Yeah. I remember this is an old car. So your 700 kilometers is a, is a 14, 15 hour journey. Yeah, because you're not doing 120 kilometers an hour. Sure. You're doing 80 kilometers an hour, 90 kilometers an hour. And you're going through dual carriageways and small villages, etc. So. Um, we're not staying here. So I went to the outskirts of Sydney, stayed the night, and then we moved. Ah, you didn't even give any of these places a Not chance. at all. Not <laughs> at all. Um, it was, I was on a mission. It, the traveling, the, there were areas, you know, where we stayed. Like I said, we camped and we had some great times. But it was about finding a home mm. where we could get jobs, where we would be happy, uh, and where we would progress and develop. So, uh, like I said, uh, my, my thinking is so different at times. So... Um, no, and and you know I was challenged many a times, but mm. we moved. So we get to Queensland. Now Queensland, oh my God! Um, so uh, before you get to Queensland, uh, you hit Byron Bay. Byron Bay, you're still in Sydney. Uh, you're still part of New South Wales or Sydney, mm. the outskirts of of New South Wales, the capital of Sydney, actually. So we get there, and it's an amazing place. Byron Bay is one of the most beautiful places on this planet, really. After a month. Never. Of course. <laughs> well, well, well. Um, but we got there, we stayed there for three or four days and went, you know, why don't we stay here? This is amazing. Never uh, heard people of it. Byron sure. Bay is a very hippie town, by the way. Okay. Very, very hippie town. Very laid back. Uh, no hurry in the world. Sounds like it, my speed, to be honest. I'm telling you, it's anyone's <laughs> speed. Not the drug. Just the, 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 you know, the speed. Pace, um, pace. The pace, that's correct. So we get to, uh, we stay there for three or four days and then we went, you know, let's, let's, let's get into Queensland. Mm. So um, from Byron Bay to the Gold Coast, which is uh, one of the big cities uh, outside Brisbane, um, very touristic. Um, a lot of Arabs go there, which surprised me. Mm. Um, so I get there and uh, it was amazing. The temperature was amazing. I felt like I was at home. Um, remember, What's this is summer, so we're talking about 35 degrees, 36 oh, okay. degrees. It's nice. Uh, it's sunny. 
uh, people are in shorts, t-shirt, um, yeah. casual. You know, no one has fancy cars. Everyone is, uh, uh, you know, normal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was actually normal for for a change. Um, so Brisbane became home, and uh, again, I tried to look for a job. Now, guess what? I had currently experience, mm. so I didn't even target trying to get a banking job or anything. And it's a city, so I went. You know, let me try. I failed. Couldn't get a job. Again, the challenge started. Yeah. So. I'm looking for a car rental sales in the car rental industry because it's it's easy because you can say I worked before in the same country in the same country yeah and you know they have a reference point mm. so uh, couldn't get any jobs was Hertz uh, reputable back then oh yeah Hertz is Hertz is one of the big four so uh, okay. definitely and the fact that you have Hertz is is good but they didn't have vacancies mm. so it wasn't that they were no that I couldn't get a job it was just no vacancies and it's right. a town it's a thriving town and people keep their jobs. Um, so, uh, coincidentally, I was walking past a, a very old car rental company and with old cars called Able, uh, or no, it was uh, Damn Cheap, Damn Cheap Car Rentals. And I thought, well, I have nothing to do, so I might as well go and ask. <laughs> so I went and asked this Italian guy called Steve Kahn, uh, walked out, and if he's ever hears this, and probably give him the, the link, um, comes out and he says, uh, how can I help you? Mm. Uh, pure uh, Italian, by the way, Italian Greek, and and he's got an Australian accent. So, and I said, I'm looking for a job if you have one, and I'd work very hard for you if you gave me one. Mm. And he said, As a matter of fact, I've got a cleaner's job. A cleaner's job, okay. All right. Um, coincidentally, I, I I didn't mention earlier on. So while I was in Tasmania, um, and uh, getting those small pizza delivery jobs, I also managed to get some cleaning jobs in, in bathrooms and mental hospitals and stuff just to wow. pick up the hours, but it wasn't anything big. So I went, you know what? I'm not going to be choosy. How many hours can you give me? And he said, look, 25 hours. 25 hours? See, the advantage of Australia is, is that you're measured in, in hourly rates. So mm. where it, it, it's really, you, you're building the hours rather than trying to build your hourly rate. I see. Does that make sense? Yeah. So everyone will get paid $15 an hour. So you want to get as many hours. So your hours is more critical than, yeah. than the value of per hour because the hour the hourly rate is a is a is a, a mandatory government directive on on these specific areas um, right. or, or levels a minimum wage etc. Yeah. So I always knew that with that money I could survive and and have a decent life anyway to start sure. with. Sure. Yeah. And I just needed a break. I just needed to save some money and, and That's crazy. Like I'm so far looking at the progression of your career. I would assume you'd be demoralized at this point. I was, point. I was demoralized, but I was Because excited. You, it's like, okay, you bank. Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah. Car rental uh, yeah. as a salesperson, yep. and now you're cleaning cars. Yep. It, it like you could just look at it. It's like this is going downhill. It was. It was for. <laughs> it was for a while, but I never knew. I never forgot what who I was. Hmm. I never forgot that, and I never got the value that I I I I, I put myself a very high value. I Meaning, I I value myself. Sorry. Yes, yes. And so, because I valued myself, I was a, I was surviving in a in an environment that was uh, that something I'm not used to. Uh, it's very foreign to me, and so I had to adapt. It wasn't. It, it was survival. It was the survival right. instincts coming out. So you definitely so, saw this as get the job. Don't worry about a, what it it's is. It's not a downward trajectory. It's temporary. 
Yes, yes, definitely. I, I look. I can't. I'd be. I'd be a fool to say, or I'd be lying if I said that. Yeah, it didn't. It didn't impact me a little bit because I felt like, what have I done? Mm. Um, this whole idea was it really a smart thing to have done? I've come back. Um, so here now, I'm. I'm a year and a half or so in. Uh, so I started cleaning cars for this guy. It was. It gave me more hours. It climbed to thirty hours, and um, you know, I I'd come three four hours before they start. Mm. You know, I told the owner, look, can I come earlier? Because I can clean more cars. And so, and the reason why I did that was I wanted to get into the office because it wasn't about cleaning cars. Uh, I wanted mm-hmm. to learn more. And the only way to get more hours was to get into the office uh, on certain days, especially the weekends where it's double time and, and they get paid more. So I used to come earlier, clean the cars. So once I've cleaned all the cars or, or enough, and enough for the day, then I can go and sit in the office and, and help them out in anything. So I'd go and go around the car with the with the customers, et cetera, for them. And they were like, but you don't get paid for this. And I said, it didn't matter. <laughs> See, what they, what, they, what, what they didn't realize is I was learning. Yeah. And for me, it didn't matter. I had a goal, I wanted to get into the office, and I was learning, and it was the best way to get more money. The, yeah, the value is in the learning, yeah. The value isn't in earning more at that point, it was a survival. Yeah, I never. It, it's it's the, the it was a byproduct. So the learning was a byproduct. I see. The initial thing was make more money. Sure. And so the only way to make more money is to learn and to get in there. Right. So, um, or staying three or four hours after my time is you. So I wasn't getting paid for those three or four hours. Mm. And they would say, "You're you're a funny man. There must be something behind this. Why are you doing this?" And to them, it's an unknown. So, you know, uh, it was an issue. The big change, now uh, I've been there for a few months, four or five months, I think at that time, earning more, uh, getting more knowledge, etc. So I saw what was going on. So I came up with a, uh, I started to understand what he does and I came across a plan or a, or, or the, the model for his business inside. Mm. And, you know, they said, I, you know, it teaches you how to rent cars. So I took it on and started to understand the business. So he had 20 old starlets and, and 20 old sunnies. And these cars, and that's why the company was called Damn Cheap Car Rentals. <laughs> so it was very cheap. And so I went to the owner mm-hmm. and I said, hey, Steve, listen, do you think I can get more hours? He said, no, we can't afford it. I said, can I get into the office? He said, but you're our best cleaner. Mm. Now that was a problem, and and honestly, if I do something, I do it very well. So yes, and and you know, I said, man, we love our cars. Yeah. So every car I took pride in, but it was more because of the job. I take pride in what I do. So um, it was very hard to get in. Um, having been there now for nine months, I uh, started to understand the business a lot better. I started to get hours inside the office, paid. Okay, but Doing I still what? was a cleaner, a rental sales. So back um, to what you did. Yeah, before. so I had uh, I had a uniform at a top, which I would clean cars. Then I'd go to the bathroom, clean myself a little bit, put that new um, t-shirt, which is a rental sales officer t-shirt, and then start renting cars with them. Obviously, started making more money because uh, you know there are commissions. You sell insurance, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Mm. The only thing is, um, I didn't get paid for the insurance because I was using someone else's user which means that that person was getting. And I said to him, you know, look, can you give me something out of this? Because I'm making you money. Yeah. And he was kind enough to give me, which is, which is good. That's why there wasn't a, a, a big issue there. Sure. Uh, a year has passed. Everything is going well. Uh, I started to understand the business. And I'm stressing that because I started writing 
and I started modeling something and I started coming up with these ideas and I you know I thought maybe I can improve his business maybe he'll believe in me and and, and give me a better uh, position like a management position. exactly well I wanted the managerial position now mm. I wanted more hours in the office and I wanted the manager so I, I knew my my next stages that I need to work on started to get clear that's correct yeah so uh, to get out of the car uh, cleaning I had to bring someone in and train him so I did that he brought someone in he said train him and if you can get him to be as good as you are you can move in the office hmm. alhamdulillah it took a few months uh, even though I persisted you know hey I can go in now and he say no this guy's not that good yet so I managed to get in yeah wipe in wipe in wipe out so now I am I am inside the office and everything is going well um, and um Uh, he decided to expand, open another office, another damn cheap car rentals, mm. uh, because the utilization in the city was not as good. So he moved to another, he opened up another small thing. And he yeah. said, how about you go and run it? I said, hey, <laughs> perfect. But right. he said, you will be a, a supervisor, not a not a manager. I'm bringing a manager for that. Mm. Perfect. Yeah. So I think that person lasted three months and then left anyway. Um, so he had no choice. I pretty much used to do all the reports. I used to cover everything from cleaning to inside to understanding what he does hmm. uh, and ultimately took his position. Four months pass on and then I, you know, I started looking at how to improve this branch and, uh, and I came up with a business plan. So I went to him and, uh, and the business plan was really radical because it wasn't about just having that office. I actually went to a, a, another location and went, Steve, you need to get this location. You need to do this. I think we can get new cars. I think we can use this as collateral and, and, and go and do this and that. And and so I put it all down on a piece of paper because he said, put it down on a piece of paper. Hmm. The only thing is he, he broke my heart because uh, I put a, a great business plan. I learned how to do a business plan. Um, and uh, so uh, when I went to him with the document, Uh, he was in a bad mood, and this is where it broke my heart. He mm. said to me, first of all, you're a cleaner. All right, we've taught you how to be in the office, and now you're coming to me with a business plan, and he chucked it on the side. Oh, wow. And so uh, I went, okay, all right. So that was the first shock I had. That was the first time in that whole period that I actually got upset and went, you know, this is not for me. I need to go back. If you're not being appreciated. That's correct. Yeah. And, you know, you're a nobody. And and there was a lot of harsh words that came out. Um, ultimately, now we go six months ahead. Mm. He's in a great mood. And I don't know how. And I don't know, you know, luck show, showed up. But he decided to look at that document at some six point. Six months later. Yeah, at some point. Yeah. Because six months later, he came to me. Okay. And he said, did you do this? And I said, Yes. Uh, no, you didn't do this. Tell me, did you do this? Okay, explain to me this. Explain this. And I, I went through it. And he said, but this is impossible. And I said, but I went to the dealers and I went to the bank. And, and the truth of the matter is, is I went to the banks to ask them, what would it take for us to get a loan to mm. buy new cars? And they said, as long as you can have some collateral. Well, he owned all the cars. Right. They were old cars, but they still held some value. There you go. And then I went to a dealer and I said, look, is there any way we can give you these cars a deposit and get or, or, or work out something. And so there was some radical stuff that I was putting in place. And, and it's, it's, I don't think not many people will, will can, can vision this, but um, I saw something there that he wasn't seeing. And 
it was something that the big companies were already doing because it hurts to learn something. Hmm. You know, the cars were coming in every 12 months and these cars were going back to the dealers. And I never understood that. So how were we buying them? Well, why are they going back to the dealers? Then I understood that it was on a buyback, but because they're huge companies, they had that facility. Hmm. So he said, you're crazy, but you know, and, and you know what, why are we, I, I don't want to do this, but I appreciate the fact that you've done this. And, you know, I'm happy with my cars. Um, I don't owe anyone anything. And what you're proposing is going to put me back in debt. And I said, well, um, you have a son. He's 12 years old. His name is Nathan Kahn, by the way, because mm. that, that, that young man ultimately now is a very, very powerful man in, in, in Brisbane, in the dairy industry, by the way. Okay. But um, Nathan was very young and uh, him and his father never got along. But, you know, I said to him, look, at some point your son will take over. So why don't we, why don't I help you build this? And I've got an idea. We're only a small company with one location and 40 cars. And our cars are rented by uh, people of low income anyway. So why don't we do this? Um, he went and spoke to the banks. I'm three months on. He didn't really want to do it initially, but three months on. He went and asked the right questions. And he came back one day and he said, listen. You're right. My son will take over at some point, so I guess I better start. Mm. All right. Let me tell you a little bit more about this business. He explained it. There was a pioneering opportunity. It really was. It was very radical because the business plan that I put was based on some knowledge that I gained from Hertz, but, but some of my own spices in there, not knowing if this would work or is this just a, 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 a cowboy approach, <laughs> a vigilante approach. Sure. Um, Alhamdulillah, I'm proud to say that we went to the banks, we convinced them. Um, we uh, decided to grow on a very small step. You know, every six months we'll buy 10 cars, but we weren't going to buy cars. Mm. We were going to use the collateral to finance each car so that I'm paying a mortgage on each car. It was never done before. Okay. The Hertz did it on a different level, but, you know, they're cash rich. Right. And uh, they already had a leasing department. So uh, whatever cars they bought, they were buying it on a, on a different platform that I didn't understand at that time. Now I do. Um, so having done that, uh, we convinced the banks to finance us using the equity in the cars, uh, small equities for each car that we were buying, and convinced the dealers to purchase the cars back as long as the kilometers that was the maximum. Mm. Then they knew they had a value to resell that car. And we knew that we needed to make money. So we weren't making money out of the cars. We were making money out of renting those cars. Mm. And the margins in this in this industry is about 12%. Oof. So you really fine tune. You have to keep your labor costs down, yeah. uh, utilities, etc. Alhamdulillah, successfully, uh, 10 years on, I became the GM, ultimately became the CEO. Of, ultimately, of, that, of that company. Absolutely. Able rent a car, ultimately, uh, I uh, purchased. Hmm. Um, and uh, I was in partnership with Steve. That then went on to develop a new pioneering concept, which I worked on because we were uh, at 600 cars, 80 trucks, wow. removal trucks. Uh, and about 40 other utes and vans, we were very competitive now. Not competing against Hertz, because they were uh, above 2,000 vehicles Well, how Brisbane. long did this whole process take? Uh, 10 years. 
10 years. Wow. It was hardcore. And we expanded from two locations. Uh, we moved away from damn cheap car rentals to new cars. <laughs> uh, damn cheap, ultimately, uh, four years, five years after that, we o- reopened it again. Because mm. we decided we don't know, we no longer needed to return the cars to the dealerships. So why don't we extend our leasing to two years and then pass it on to our damn cheap car rental mm. so that they rent it at a cheaper rate because the value of the car has dropped. Your repayments has dropped. And where we could, we, we, we purchased the cars outright and passed it on and subleased it. So there was a lot of uh, tax benefits and negative gearing in that, which supported us. Um, so 10 years on, we're doing great. We're up to about a million dollars uh, a month, uh, whereas before we were on $80,000 a month. And That's um, exceptionally, his son has now come on board. Nathan, he's uh, wild, very aggressive and loves to spend money. <laughs> um, which is a problem. Um, but anyway, utilizing the cash flow that we had, and we were cash, the cash flow was like mm. amazing. So we, we started going to property development. So uh, excess cash, uh, we used the same concept. We bought properties, but we bought them on basically initial 30% equity. We redid the properties or, you know, uh, uh, renovated them and then sold them. And mm. We kept doing that to create a subdivision or uh, another uh, uh, medium of income. Uh, and then on the other side, we're working on a plan because Hertz and Avis and Thrifty and Budget, these four companies were aggressively, because we were so competitive, were doing everything possible to get us out of the market. And how were they doing that? Uh, they were doing that by slashing their rates exceptionally um, aggressively. Uh, an airport location, giving right. you a vehicle, uh, you'll get a larger vehicle for a smaller value. Mm. Um, and they could afford to do that. And they're at the airport. I'm off airport. Right. So I have to go and pick up the person, bring him back to my office. And that was a that was another whole challenge. So um, I think we're, we're in 2010, uh, I'd say. Okay. And... Um, uh, we, I came up with another radical idea, and I said, "Look, we we're never going to beat these guys. They're getting their clients before they they arrive. Right. And when they arrive, these guys are giving them rates that we just couldn't compete. We we will go get out of business if we did that. So we have to approach this more dynamically. So let's go to the neighborhoods rather than try and compete in a tourist market. And let's revisit this in in about six twelve months. So we started expanding with our trucks." into the neighborhoods. So mm. we started opening more and more locations in suburbs. And that was the best investment uh, and the best strategy because we started to gain commercial presence. People want to move to hire a vehicle. Now I think see. about it, we have a million people in a very small area. Yeah. Uh, Australia, all of it is only 19 million. And um, not many industries, apart from Hertz, maybe a few others, were in the commercial business. So we said, why don't we strengthen our commercial business and bank on that? And in the suburbs, we had more presence, which gave us exposure, which gave us recognition, which gave us confidence, Mm. consumer confidence. And that was good. So now we have people of the area knowing who we are everywhere we are. Our trucks were billboards, moving billboards. Uh, Steve one day asked me, why are you dropping the prices? And I said... Uh, Steve, how much you, how much money are you putting towards marketing uh, this year? And he said, well, we'll put a couple of hundred thousand. I said, okay, let's divide that into months and then let's equate that into hourly rates or day rates on our vehicles and discount the vehicles rather than discount. And why don't we put big billboards? So our vans had billboards. Advertising the back. spots. Absolutely. Yeah. So 
on the sides, on the back, uh, and 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 we can monitor them because you know we can we know where they go, mm. um, and so. We started to uh, our brand presence was was improving tremendously. Um, the number we put a specific number in how we knew um, it's not like today. So how we knew this was happening is because people are calling that number, and that number became busier and busier, mm. which meant that we needed to have a call center. Remember, we don't have the internet was not the the biggest thing at this point. Uh, we really went into the internet a little bit later than the the norm. So uh, we started to expand. Then wow. we said we'll go back to the airport. Now going back to the airport, we were still there was still a monopoly there. So we came up with a platform, and honestly, there were two companies in the U.S. doing it at that time, and I came across it by, because someone said it. So I thought, hang on a second, I think this is a there's an opportunity here, and we've always wanted to expand into Sydney and Melbourne. So we found a place. Uh, close to the airport, about 20,000 square meters of land, mm. uh, warehouse, and we transformed it into a parking lot, which enabled us to park people's cars. We clean them while it's there. We service it while it's there. If you require service, we employed mechanics later down the track, but initially it was, we'll take your car to the company and we'll bring it back. There's a service fee. Mm. You clean a car, we clean your car, it's a service fee. But your parking lot per day is this price. And so, and we had our car rental cars there, and we had an office there. So, so it's car parking as a business. Yes. Okay. So okay. basically, uh, because airport parking was expensive. Right. Yeah. So I, yeah. I came up with an idea that why don't we use the? So we came up with a concept called Park Fly Drive. <laughs> so you park <laughs> yeah. your car. We expanded into Sydney and Melbourne. Mm. That was phase one. Phase two was we started this car park. And phase three was initiate the park fly drive, so enable that. So basically what happens is you park your car with us, we give you a discount if you rent a car in the, sp- in the, in, in the, in the uh, state that you're going to. So you'll park your car, you'll fly to Sydney or Melbourne, and you'll pick up a car from uh, one of our locations there. Right. Now what that does is discounts the car rental mm-hmm. that you pick up, and it discounts your parking. your parking. Yeah. Where I made my money? When they clean their cars. And everyone wants to get their car cleaned. <laughs> and so if you're renting a car at $39, yeah. right? And you're discounting it by 25, 30%. Mm-hmm. Think about this, okay? But I'm parking your car and I get 20 bucks for it. Yeah. If I clean your car, I get another 20 bucks for it. Oh. So I get 20 bucks for the four days you park your car, for example, it's $5 a day. Okay. But I get $20 for cleaning your car and I clean your car on the final day when you come to pick up. Which isn't car. much. Absolutely. So yeah. that started to give us a lot of confidence, a lot of exposure. We're now in three states. We've got these trucks going around. We really, really became a very, very strong company. Everything was successful. We started to expand. Um, and then obviously the next challenge began. The next challenge started. So we had other companies now copying what we we're doing, mm. which is fine. But now you're competing against people that just only park cars. What do you mean? And provi- well, The, they, they don't do the cleaning service. No, and, no, oh, they, they, they provide all that, mm. but you're, you're starting a parking business. Now, ah, I see. Parking is already expensive at the airport. So where the competition started is when other people par- found land closer than us to mm. the airport. And there were some really smart guys that ensured that the pickup and drop off was, you know, you weren't kept behind. You, you were not kept to wait for too long. Mm. And so we didn't, consider that at all 
we're too busy making money. We're too busy uh, coming up with, um, with other ways to make internal money, mm. um, such as the servicing and, and a few other things that we, we kind of, uh, I don't know, neglected it perhaps and didn't keep searching for new sites. So we had to come up with a plan to reduce the timing that people had to wait at the airport because okay. that complaint started to rise, which enabled our competitors to become more competitive by providing a great service that beats us. Hmm. How do I compete with that? In short, that there were four buses at any one time. So now I'm making money. I just need to know how to utilize these funds on a, in a better way and reduce my profits. It didn't matter because ultimately what I did was I had a bus running four buses running within three minutes of one leaving, the next one goes. And the whole trip itself to get to the airport is about nine, 10 minutes. You might wait, luggage in, the person comes back and you've got a 20 minute turnaround. Right. So if every three minutes you're sending a bus, your maximum wait would probably be about four or five minutes. Yeah. Better than 10, 15 minutes. Yeah. And in time we improve that down to about two, three minutes, but you know, Peak hours changes things and, and, and whatnot. But ultimately, again, it didn't matter how close we were because our service ensured. And once you got people on the bus, it didn't matter. Once mm. they saw their car clean and safe and there's nothing wrong with it, it didn't matter. So then you were competitive again. Not only competitive, but the word of mouth for the service just expanded. So now mm. we're parking about 1,500 cars a day. And That's at $5 crazy. a pop, you're making decent money. So our business went from uh, trying to cut our uh, or refining our our costs uh, to a point because, like I said, it's twelve to fourteen percent is really really good. Um, to now pushing twenty five and thirty percent, hmm. your 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 parking was compensating you in such a way that your lease costs were not there anymore. It's covered by the parking. Yeah. Um, various other staff costs um, were not there anymore, uh, and so that improved our business. So this journey. Uh, continued until about 2003, maybe four now, so seven years in. Um, in between all that, when I was a GM, uh, I got to know the royal family, which takes me to part of you got when to know? the royal family oh. of the UAE, they were flying in there okay. often. And I can't remember exactly when, but his... Uh, Actually, there's some sensitivities I can't discuss, which is because one of the royal families passed away in Brisbane. Mm. And uh, during that period, I was exposed to various people. And uh, they took an interest in me. And one of them is the Green Sheikh, Sheikh Al-Akhtar, uh, Sheikh Abdul Aziz Naimi. He's the nephew of Sheikh Hamid. Okay. Uh, we've known each other now for nearly 20 years, mm. and we've become best friends. And um, in that period, uh, he spoke about me to various people in the UAE. Um, funnily enough, and, and this is where I call myself the accidental CSR specialist mm -hmm. uh, and community champion, um, is because I know what I went through. I know my journey. And, uh, and so we had a lot of um, young uh, uh, Australians that uh, at 15 and 16 uh, were in what we call... Um, Jails. They're not in jails, but they're, they're I don't know, I can't remember. Juvie? Juveniles, yes. Yeah. So they were in juvenile centers and, um, you know, they've stolen, they've hit someone, mm. they've, they've done some crime. Right. And at that age, they don't put them in prisons. Um, so 
I I had a program where um, with members of the community because as you get as you get known and and you get invited to various things you start to get to know people right. and you know there was a lot of concern so I went to one of these uh, juvenile um, facilities uh, not facility but it was a it was a, a program launch oh, okay um, asking the industry to support yeah so you know me first one in and I said I'm happy to take. Immediately, where others were, you know, uh, these are still these guys are still thieves. Mm. They're still thugs, um, and I didn't look at it that way. And my my philosophy was always, if I can start as a cleaner, yeah, right? educated, but start as a cleaner, um, and and rise to the top, uh, not because of something special, it's because there was discipline. The, the general formula of success is um, ambitious, opportunists. Uh, these are the words I, I always put up: um, determined and disciplined. And honestly, if you've got those four, and it doesn't matter what combination they're in, you just have those four. Then I think it's 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 a good formula to grow. So um, I'm tried to mentor them. Now I can't say that all of them were successful. The success rate was about twenty percent. Um, I was uh, stolen from. Oh, uh, I had multiple uh, thefts. Uh, uh, these guys uh, came back in the middle of the night and stole the cars. Oh, man. <clears throat> uh, involved in various other criminal activities in our cars at, in the middle of the night. Um, but that didn't give in. We still had some great, great success stories. In fact, there's a few that are, that are still running some of the branches now since I, since I left. So that was really good. And so uh, this sheikh was so impressed and he said, look, I'm, I'm going to speak about you. So he spoke about me to uh, a few people. And then, uh, funny enough, uh, Abdullah Suedi, he used to be the undersecretary of the Ministry of Social Development and, and Ministry of Labor. So I got a call from him one day and he said, listen, we heard about you. We've got a, a strategy. <clears throat> Can you have a look at us and, and give us some recommendations? And here's a project. Can you put something together? Okay. Um, I'm surprised. Mm. He explained how it happened. I said, okay. So I looked at it as an opportunity, but I also looked at it as a as a, okay, this is this is something that, you know, I, I don't know, I had the appetite for it. So I said, okay. So at this point, I'm quite senior in the company, um, not yet purchased the company, but senior at the company, I had mm. some shares. And so I thought, you know, maybe I could do this. So I came up with a business plan, uh, business model. Um, there were strategies related to uh, developing uh, communities, developing a social uh, model that uh, is aligned to the developments that are happening there. Remember, the population is very, um, you know, it's not as high as Amman um, and so forth. So we, we came up with some good plans. I was invited and contracted to come and work for them. So I went to Steve and I said, listen, Steve, this is an opportunity for me to come back. Is it okay? I'll still manage the company from, from, from Dubai. Hmm. And he said, listen, and, and I'm not saying this with modesty, but I'm saying this with the, the fact that he had confidence that it didn't matter where I was, I could still make and manage because in one way I'm a control freak. Mm. Um, if I'm working on something, then I want to make sure, maybe not as much as you, but um, you'd, you really want to make sure it's your baby. Mm. Yeah, You've helped develop it. You know every wound it's ever incurred. Um, and um, you know every part of it. 
you yeah. know you, you've broken it apart and put it together so you understand it so it, I, it was it didn't matter whether I was remote we had good people already on board but I had to find someone to replace me and that was critical and someone I can direct even from anywhere um, so alhamdulillah I'm proud to say that I, I had the opportunity to come and be the special advisor to the federal government of the UAE Uh, I was advisor on social developments, so strategies. And then, alhamdulillah, another opportunity came up. Um, the minister came, Ma'ali Maryam al-Rumi at that time. And she said, look, we have a, a, a plan. Um, and uh, His Highness has requested this. And that is, we would like to set up a social responsibility fund. Hmm. And so um, we modeled it. Uh, I was given the contract to uh, execute it, basically, and then help them in strategies. And so we did, and uh, quite successful. Um, I launched and pioneered the Dirham uh, Ubas. It's the first of its kind, um, uh, a, chair, uh, uh, a model to ensure that it's a, a unified support system, meaning that the responsibility of corporate social responsibility, charity, is mm. not just the responsibility for the government. It wasn't just the responsibility of the private sector. Um, I think the private sector covers enough. So it was about unifying and bringing everyone together in solidarity to contribute mm. for the betterment of our society, or the betterment of UAE society at that time, and and improve. So successfully, we launched Dirham Ubas. I had the privilege of working with Nasser Shaili. He was the CEO of Dubai International Financial Center and a few very, very powerful people. Mm. And uh, we launched it, quite successful. Um, we had uh, these huge dirham boxes and, and you're more than welcome to YouTube it. You'll, you'll okay. be surprised. We uh, strategically placed these big dirham boxes or small dirham boxes. So it's small dirham boxes at, at, at the fuel stations. Okay. Um, but the big dirham boxes were in universities, malls, etc. Mm. And um, we convinced a minister, a federal minister, um, to be filmed in an advert. And this is unheard of. This is unheard of here. It's mm. not, I don't think any minister will get on, on TV on an ad and say, support this. Right. It's not gonna, I've never seen it. Have you seen it? No. But I convinced <laughs> on them. So they really saw something that they, you know, they said, this guy is crazy, but you know, he might have something here. But so Dirham Ubes was a very powerful statement. One Dirham. That's mm. all it takes, just one. Now imagine if we're five million people and each day one person put one real or 100 besa. Mm. Well, how many are you going to collect per day if you have 500, 5 million people? Enough. Adds up. Adds up. 500,000 yeah. reals, for example. Mm. So if each day you were developing that, and obviously not everyone's going to pay every day, but yeah. um, ultimately we got to a point where we were generating 14 million, uh, 14 million dirhams in a month. Now think about it. Mm. Uh, we had to organize Transgard, which was a, a big favor from Emirates uh, Group. Uh, they were the owners, and they would go and collect from all our our boxes. We had them in fuel stations like Epco, and 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 uh, I can't remember the other name that we used to have there. Come long way from uh, pizzas, huh? Exactly, <laughs> and and you know each stage was like a journey. It was yeah. like it's fun, but each stage was I gave it all my energy. Yeah, and so you know it's not something you can BS. It's not something you can just well, make up. I'm I'm sure 
we can spend many, many, <laughs> many hours. We and can. in fact, I was told by Rawi about uh, what We've ten, gone way ten minutes ago that we're two hours in. Whoa, so, yeah. too much. No, but but I so, so this I want only I, exactly so yeah. This, so I want to find a way for us to come to today. Knowing very well that we are skipping some key stages, how can you bring us to today and where okay, you're at? So um, let's speed this up. Um, mm. So ultimately, uh, I finished my contract with them. Mm. They asked me to stay. In fact, there was a lot more than that. They asked me to 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 stay, and I, I will share with you a video which uh, uh, one of the ruling family there said, "Listen." Mm. Stay and continue, and for that we will reward you. And I said, one thing that I will never ever do um, is sacrifice or compromise who I am and where I'm from. And I, I will not say any more than that. That's, so yeah, let's just keep I it went there. To, I went back to Australia. <laughs> I stayed there for uh, four or five years, I think. Mm. Uh, and then in 2014, uh, I made my decision that it was time. I had learned much. I had gained a lot of knowledge. Um, and made a decision to return to Oman. So 2014. I found myself, well, it started 2000, mid-2013. Um, mm. But by 2014, I was convinced. Uh, in February of 2015, I came back. Wow. Um, and I, I came back. I had, I, by, by now, I've got two kids. They're seven and eight. Mm. Um, Aiden and Jaren, they've got two names. So Aiden is Omar. Okay. And Joran is Azan, another radical thing. Sure. Uh, so anyway, I, I came back to Oman and uh, I uh, enjoyed myself for three months, meaning getting back to the rhythm, understanding how the landscape is, knowing who's who here. Yeah. And I approached um, uh, quite a few companies. I had Moisalat um, at that time. I had um, uh, a few other companies, preferably not, not say who they are, but um, Opaz uh, at the time, the Special Economic Zone Authority, um, under the leadership of Yahya, um, Ali Yahya al-Jabri, mm. uh, invited me to to uh, to uh, apply, and um, because I helped them in a project, and uh, Alhamdulillah, I managed to um, pass and and get through and 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 got into a job. So I started as a CSR specialist. Mm. Uh, a year in, uh, or, or, or eight months in, I was the CSR specialist and the acting manager for the environment. Now remember, uh, being for uh, acting manager, the environment department. Now I the see. environment department is equivalent of a ministry, the Ministry of Environment, because we have our own, we run our own. Basically in Dukum, uh, it's, uh, you follow the guidelines, but you, you really are uh, a right. separate entity running your own. So it was like running a whole... Uh, ministerial responsibility, but on a very, very small scale. Yeah. So yes, that was the next stage. Uh, eight months there after that, uh, I was uh, given the opportunity to establish the first of its kind, um, a partnership and development department. So, uh, and this department was responsible for in-country value, mm. small and medium enterprises, and CSR. And no model to replicate from anywhere, so I had to come up with, a, with a, a structure, a strategy that meets the current needs and foresees what's coming uh, and aligns it to government policy. And it's so unfortunate that we, we don't have enough today. time because I, I have a bunch of questions on this area particularly. But um, here we are today. And just with your recent promotion, the story continues, bro. The story continues. <laughs> and, and the fourth stage of my life yeah. uh, is being planned now. So um, in the next three years, mm. uh, I have expectations um, by the end of this year, what, I'll, what I hope to achieve. Uh, Anything you can disclose? Um, 
Look, as a, as I, I promised myself that I'll start my own business. So two and a half years ago, I did. Mm. So Landmark Investments and Trading started. Um, and it was supported by a very, very um, acute uh, and smart businesswoman. Mm. Uh, her name is Marie-Christine. And we established Landmark. Landmark is into steel. Uh, it also does startups. So you, believe it or not, I, I, I work, but I also support SMEs. Right. So we get them fi- financing. We support them in various ways. And recently, um, uh, I uh, last September I flew to New York, mm. and uh, we signed on a on a letter of intent to start uh, the next venture. Um, and all this is done, Which we believe talk it or not. About. No, not yet, not yet. But quite exciting, actually, <laughs> yeah. very, very exciting. Yeah. Um, but the fun, you know, I have friends, and and just to end this, mm. um, I have a lot of friends that say, listen. Uh, you know, you're always working. And I said, well, not really. I, I always try and find time. So I'm up at three o'clock in the morning, 3.30. Four is like I've slept in. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also sleep at 10, 11 o'clock, I'm in bed. I see. Um, wow. When I get up, I've got a lot of responsibilities. Uh, Australia is six hours ahead, so I get a chance to speak to my kids. But at the same time, I also trade with Australia and America during my sl- during that time. Mm. Um, I then go have my day job. When you job. say trade, you mean stock market trade? No, 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 no. Oh. Uh, as in, I'm, I'm in business. I'm always oh, talking. Because, you know, they're up, we're asleep, sure. and so forth. Um, I go to work. I have a great day. Come back, spend time with the kids. I, I, I'm physically um, uh, inclined, so I go for a run, or I, I, I do various things. And there's a lot of stories that I can talk about, but... Ultimately, they always say, geez, don't you, don't you ever want to sleep? Don't you ever want to rest? And my answer to that is, I'll sleep when I'm dead. <laughs> because we only have a short period of time. And um, I really and, like sleep, though. Yeah. Especially when you can't I afford love sleeping. it. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah There's I, so much happening. Exactly. So I love really sleeping. appreciate sleep. I love sleeping, <laughs> but I'm limited. Yeah. We are here for under 100 years, uh, yeah. if we survive that long. If we're lucky. And so why waste um yeah so that's my drive and yeah that's the end i think that's definitely not the end <laughs> but that's the end for now i mean yeah. if people want to reach you is there a way that they can do that yeah absolutely um look um uh, they can they can reach me uh through you uh preferably uh, but look, I. Do you have I, any uh, social media accounts that you're? I do. In? I do. Mm. I have. I. I've. I've stopped one. Uh, I have a. A, a very. Um, I told you, my the fourth stage is to set up a, a an organization that I believe in, uh, something that supports uh, people, mm. uh, and it's called Y Two K for Oman. Now, believe it or not, this brand I it's called Y Two K. No, no, no. Why? Why? <laughs> oh. The the letter oh, Y, okay. the number two, C A R E, the number four, and then Oman. Okay. And I set up this brand. Um, so we've got Y Two K for UAE, which okay. I set up, and it's being run by Sheikh Omar Al Naimi, nephew of. Uh, Sheikh uh, Ahmed, I have Why to Care for Iran, which is being uh, run by a very good friend, um, and she was passionate about doing something for the people. What is and, it uh, about? Why to Care? Um, uh, look, I love the whole idea of doing something for my country, mm. and I'm aggressively uh, pursuing that. Um, I've given so much to everyone else, and uh, I haven't spent enough time here, so it was the least thing to give back and mm. um, and pass forward. So. Why to care for a man was developed so that I could use this platform to give back. And that's the fourth stage. So hopefully it's been there for 11 years, by the way. Not I guess now. next time you come back, we'll, we'll start with that. 
Yeah, and 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 for. perhaps the 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 business cards. My my biggest thing is the business cards I have. Mm. So um, all the business cards, all the positions I've ever held in Australia, yeah. from cleaner to uh, well, not as cleaner, but to RSO, rental sales officer, to supervisor, manager, and, and so forth. We all have them. Yeah. Are they all there? And they're all there. So to see that progression was... You should frame uh, them all on a wall. Oh, that was the plan, actually. Yeah? Yeah, that was the plan. Yeah. (laughs) Well, Abdul Aziz Al-Hinai, advisor and expert for Amman Public Authority for Economic and Free Zones. For now. <laughs> for now. Thank you so much for I welcome, <laughs> I sincerely welcome the opportunity for a bigger challenge that will support Aman. So I'm open to suggestions. Thank you so much for joining me. Really it was my pleasure. Um, I really appreciate it. Because it, you're you're such a great host and um, I'm so thankful that it was done with you. And, and the only other person that I would do it with is Talal. Yeah. That didn't sound too well. <laughs> <laughs> the only person I'd have an interview with would be Falal, because he's he too was a, a great host. And the team here. So thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Really. I feel that. Nobody listening. Ain't nobody listening. Ain't nobody listening. Ain't nobody listening. Ain't nobody listening.